0: hey welcome to the comic syllabus where we read widely in the worlds of graphic novels and comics and we dig deep to understand how they make meaning of our world and perhaps help us to change it I'm Paul I'm an English teacher and today we're gonna talk about the dragon path a new book um, by Ethan Young from Scholastic's graphics imprint Um, really excited about this book coming out Ethan Young is the creator of Um, books such as Nanjing, The Burning City, um, really powerful historical fiction, um, graphic novel, um, and uh, Space Bear, Battles of Bridget Lee, a bunch of cool stuff. I've been a big fan of Ethan's work for a a, a few years now. I love his art style. He's just um, able to capture um, in his art the the dramatic, the playful. He has this remarkable consistency, so expressive um, in his characterization, so powerful in the way that his stories are told. Um, and you know, similar to the battles of Bridget Lee, this is a, a story that's set in, um, uh, with characters and in a setting that definitely, um, redolent of, uh, Ethan Young's, uh, Asian heritage, um, Asian American creator. And I just love that the dragon path is itself a complete story, but it creates this sprawling world that, you know, I hope there's more, um, definitely is a backdrop for more stories. Um, in it, we meet, um, uh, you know we see a lot of familiar fantasy elements, but um we meet uh, uh, prince Singh, who's the, the the sort of boy on the cover of the magazine it's kind of the, one of those um uh exuberant and playful adventurous um and, and incorrigibly uh uh you know um uh gonna make his own way um and so so a real real fun um main character for us to follow um i was reading this book at the same time that our family was watching the the dragon prince the show on netflix and uh, it was kind of fun to compare how um you know these familiar fantasy story tropes show up in both of them. both of them um but they're 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 all sort of um inflected with um these these distinctive characteristics and Ethan Young as an Asian American creator is 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 telling a kind of story that you know similar to Ryan and the Last Dragon if you saw that movie um has you know all kinds of influences and not just in the the, the costume design and not just in the settings and um, but but even in the culture and the values that are expressed by the characters and lived out by the characters and sometimes are in conflict um, between the characters um, between say Prince Singh of the Wong Clan he's sort of the inheritor of the, the, the you know the, um, the leadership of the Wong Clan but um, there's his, his aunt um, and there's a king and a sort of you know traitorous advisor there's um there's these dragons that you can kind of see in the in the background there um and that that right there is the commander of the dragons and so there's um all these fantasy elements but um to have them infused with um uh, you know Sort of Asian mythology and settings and characters and cultural background and language um, is really fun and exciting. Um, if you're a fan of Avatar: The Last Airbender, maybe this is something that you would be into as well. Um, three aspects of this um, book that I really love: one is that the world building, as I was saying, is just so detailed and and has that sort of hybrid sense of um, influences from you know um, Asian origin media as well as um, Western and American media, there's this very textured and detailed way that um Ethan Young draws this world it reminds me a little bit of one of my favorite cartoonists Stan Sakai who draw who's drawn Yoj- Usagi Yojimbo for a really long time that the you know the settings have um, all this detail you can see that a lot of stippling is used to really add this texture to the feel of the world from the trees and the ways they bend to the architecture and the sort of you know remnants of temple that are that are built here you can see in this picture of this this land and, and, and in the story you have a, a the Wong clan and they are trying to um return to a place called old land love that name because that's exactly what chinese names are like they you know transliterate them and they're actually just a, a name like old the old land and they have to pass through the dragon path of course, and uh, and you know, there's a king who's wearing a tiny crown. There's this guy with a this Elmer Fudd type hat, and, and you know, you got characters with these long eyebrows and all that stuff. This is the distinctiveness of um, Young's characterizations that really fit well in this world. Um, eventually we meet, and we won't see it, we won't spoil it, but we meet a, a large animal character who, just the way that that character, that, that um, animal moves, um, again, reminds me a little of, of Sakai or an artist like Chris Somni, where the details are really, um, uh, you know, are really there to give it life but also cut cut down or cut, you know, simple in, in order to be more fluid and, and, and lifelike. And so there's this dynamism about the characters that... Um, that Ethan Young is really able to achieve that I really love. Um, and Prince Singh, our hero, um, reminds me really of the second thing that I really enjoy about this book is that the characters have, um, you know, depth that pushes back against being over simple. And I think that's really important for, especially for young people's literature, but that's what makes stories appealing to me is that, you know, sometimes... Your, your um, rather than uh, enemies, they're, they're opponents at a stage in the story, but that no, is more complicated than that. Komodo-Khan, who <laughs> reminds me a little bit in, of a Muppets movie m- villain, but, but much more foreboding and menacing, um, kind of fantasy character, but um, Komodo-Khan and the Dragon Tribe, as we come to find out, no spoilers, is just um, is a little more complicated, you know, than just a simple um, bad guy villain um and lady hu who is his aunt it's, like super tough we meet um, as we met earlier kind of we can see him in the backdrop ming the mystic who's sort of this You know, this guru character that's often in stories, and especially stories that are set in Asia. um, Sometimes those characters are kind of, you know, they're like the wise man, but they're also kind of wisecracking. Um, And I like those characters, but they can be a little flat and one-sided. And I think Ethan Young does a good job of adding some complexity to those characters. There's just more earnestness and a little more... um, more. yeah, vividness in these characters, even in the short characterizations like the ones that you saw on that page. Um, and even our hero, you know, who is just all about the fun and you can see him sort of swinging on a self-made zipline. there, also has a certain depth. Uh, so, you know, we, we know him to be a playful and maybe somewhat naive character, adventurous, but we also see um, he's lost his mother and every East Asian person, uh probably knows of the you know the photographs of lost um parents or or grandparents or or ancestors that that put on the wall and so um there's a streak of independence but there's also a streak of um, of of filial piety in um prince singh's character that i think um you know again in just a a pretty short and fast-paced book really comes across i love that about this story Um, And the third thing is in, in midst of this detailed and hybrid world with characters that have dimension and depth, put those together and you, and you, and you really need solid storytelling, where the characters really feel like they fit and belong in and interact with and, and affect the the world that they're in. And so, um, you know, you can see on these pages, sample pages here that there's just all kinds of um, great action, all the, you know, art is just is done a little bit off kilter you know nothing is sort of perfectly on the 90 degree axis or plane because it has a sense of of you know we're we're, we're machines flying through the 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 sky and um and that adds again that dynamism to it um uh young really knows how to make certain things detailed you know that that the dashboard or the 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 um the textures on that roof really need to feel real and even lived in, um, in in the world and it's incredible that one creator rather than a whole studio is involved in the design of this world um, it, it's just awesome uh, and yet also knows how to keep things simple and clear so that the action can really come through and feel lively and you watch Prince sing as he you know takes a wrench and makes this sort of homemade zip line and the you know the the character as um, as they're as they're moving along, the, this uh, background gets just kind of cleaned up into negative space. You know, there's the swirl of the sky, and you can feel again the sense of movement that's there. But mostly, it cleans up in that space so that Prince sings, you know, like um, exciting uh, uh, <laughs> soar through the sky, which would scare me to death. Is um, is front and center and um yeah and so all of that just demonstrates the ways ethan young has made a a a set of characters with some complexity um in a short you know in a very short story fit in in, with this world with all this detail um that really uh, has this beautiful way of uh, mixing and, and meshing different kind of cultures and influences and histories in a fantasy world that really projects um uh, these cultural values and, um, and this sense of um, adventure and tension that um, is just wonderfully done. So, uh, you know, The Dragon Prince is um, uh, published by Scholastics, the graphics imprint. And graphics has a lot of the, the sort of legacy of Jeff Smith's bone which is now 30 years old, um, but has, you know, really continually sold really, really well because um, that, you know, I think kids are just looking for this kind of story, looking for this kind of um, mixture of adventure and character depth and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they're finding it in novels, they're finding it in TV shows and, and, and series and movies but i think to find it in comics and have it well done like this i hope that we get many more volumes of the dragon path i think the world is big enough for much much more story than um this one story although it's complete it um it just kind of like is is like burning for more so i hope you'll check out the dragon path um read it if you're a re- young reader if you're an old reader um if you know a young reader um this is a good one to check out for them kind of in the vein of, of series like amulet or the nameless city or bone um and uh and uh yeah I re- th- this is a recommend uh positive review for dragon Path. so um enjoy that um and uh we'll see you in the next part of comic syllabus hey here at the comic syllabus um on MultiversityComics.com every week, uh, we're going to introduce a new segment that I'm calling Polybagged. Um, we're going to look at new comics that are showing up in shops this time for the week of May 26 2021. Wednesday is this new comic book day at comic book shops. And if you are a regular comic book shop denizen, then you know what I'm talking about in that the, the, the culture, the... Um, The the community that forms around these new released works of, you know, uh, floppy paper storytelling um, that is just such an exciting spot to watch culture emerge. Um, And uh, and if you're not necessarily a new comics reader, you're just interested in thinking thematically or thinking... um, uh, about comics writ large? Are you thinking about the way that these forms of entertainment and art um, speak to our society today? I hope the polybag is an opportunity for you to just kind of. Uh, get a, a, a certain finger on the pulse of things that are happening in the comics community, um, in the field, in works. And um, I hope to provide some of that um, for my perspective here in Polybag. So this week, I want to talk about Black Panther 25, um, along with a bunch of other titles. And then I'll talk about some honorable mentions. Um, Black Panther 25 is really exciting. Uh, it is the culmination. It's the final issue of five years of Tana Hasi Coates' writing the Black Panther series for Marvel. Um, the main Black Panther series and Coates has been um, I would say uh, maybe in the last decade our most um, trenchant and cogent social critic um, per- lending kind of a perspective um, from uh, from from historical insight um, and from you know that sort of prophetic eye on, um, on black the black American experience um, that really calls all of us to, um, a higher moral conscience a higher moral ground and accountability um and coats when i when i found out five years ago that um, knowing already that he was a comic book nerd and a huge fan, uh, was bringing lending his intellect to, um, com- you know, writing Black Panther. and Black Panther really being the first place where he was really flexing some some fiction muscles. I mean, if you read Between the World and Me, you knew um, man could write. But to 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 think about it in terms of galaxy building um, was just really exciting. Um, since then, he's published The Water Dancer and a bunch of other other. Uh, forms of literary art, but I I think um, Coates' run on the Black Panther has been tremendous um you can see certain fits and starts as a comic writer although i still think um from the beginning he had a vision and a purposefulness um taking that kind of epic grand scale storytelling that comics can do so uniquely um you know the sort of stuff of lee and kirby or the stuff of jonathan hickman and really infusing um his his um his questions about the tensions and contradictions of power and and polity um into the story of T'Challa, King of Wakanda. Um, and so it says issue 25, it is the end of the, the the Coates run, but he's actually written 50 issues because there was a first 25 of Black Panther. And then as they do with comics, they sort of reset it or reboot it at a certain point. And in this tw- latter 25, as you can see, kind of in the in the in the heading of the the, ty- the um, cover page, there, um, it's been this long-running story about the intergalactic um, empire of Wakanda, and um, uh, uh, this issue is uh, drawn by Daniel Acuna, um, and the cover art is uh, by by Brian Stelfreeze, as well as there are several pages of uh, Stelfreeze art, kind of near the end. I won't sort of spoil what it what it is or what it's for, but um, Stelfreeze is the original artist when Coates began. Um, his Black Panther run, and and brought his I- sort of iconic artistic stylings to um, to the to match with. What Coates was doing in the story so just really excited to see brian stelfreeze back on the book daniel Cunha also has been doing an amazing job as an artist um, it is a sight to behold and as you see these sample pages you can really see that um this is uh, of course these were originally preview pages um, uh, from uh, at multiversitycomics.com but you can see that it is an action-packed climax of this long running uh, a story and um you know out of all the things that Coates has been writing including black panther including captain america i've liked a lot of it um but um it's this intergalactic empire of wakanda now culminating in this double-sized issue that has really i think been the most dramatic and captivating for me um so if you've been holding out you know get on marvel unlimited and catch up with the run and pick up these last three issues it was a long uh, hiatus of course um because of, of covid Um, But I think that um, this Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda series really started off with this intriguing premise uh, where it seemed like an alternate world where T'Challa, you know, character we know and recognize and we have a history with, um, was in a different place somewhere out in space and was an enslaved person. And in some kind of intergalactic empire and the story um, started really compelling because it just flipped a lot of things about power and it turned out as it uh, in this a little bit of a spoiler for the run, but what had happened was that the, you know, uh, Wakandan contingent out in space had taken the heart of wakandan you know of the wakandan kingdom and 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 turned it and twisted it and perverted it in a sense into um an acquisitive empire so out in space the intergalactic empire of wakanda was um you know was really all about sort of conquering and and um and you know uh, it's sort of a corrupted ethic of wakanda And so um, there's this renewal, of course, movement that comes um, from from under and from within. And T'Challa and and, and Nakia, all these familiar characters that we see, but sort of reconfigured in a different way. They lead a rebellion. And it was just an absolute thrilling storyline as it progressed into the teens sometimes i lost a little bit of track of where the story was going but um eventually what we see is that actually um uh not only is is uh Coates, not only are Co- Coates and the, and the creative team really tackling these issues of um colonialism and you know sort of a galactic level warfare but also questions of spirituality and of of, of power of the source of um of of people's strength and identity, and um, ultimately the the enemy is, as you can see, kind of on this first page. It's a little bit of a spoiler just to see that enemy um, is the the one who is sort of at the head of the intergalactic um, Wakandan Empire is none other than um, N'edajaka Nidija, or <laughs> Erik Killmonger, um, with a, a little bit of, of souped up. We'll see. Well, you can you can check that out. And um, in this battle are really as, the assembled. Uh, black heroes of the Marvel universe. And um, in this really pitched and climactic um, scene, it, it kind of, it's kind of Avengers Endgame feeling um, in almost wordless for, you know, a long chunk of the beginning of this book, but just a huge battle scene, the confrontation, you see Monica Rambeau and Misty Knight and War Machine, and it just gets your blood pumping to kind of be in that action. Uh, again, amazingly ecu- executed by Daniel Acuna. Um, so, Come for that, but stay for the really um, philosophically rich contemplation of the contradictions of power that this book, you know, has always had and really still ends with. Um, as T'Challa with, um, you know, Storm by his side. That's a bit of a spoiler too, but Storm has um, been this um, voice of dialogue and, and 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 companionship for T'Challa as he ret- wrestles with these questions. Um, it's just been epic um, writes you know, uh, Coates writes with this epic grandeur that is kind of his want as he as a writer. And it's just so at home in comics. I mean, it's the way his prose always is. And we were, you know, eight years in power and so on, but just lives so well in comics, the the way that he writes. And um, yeah, and and so I think, um, you know, during the pandemic, Break for this book. Um, I sorely missed it. It was one of the things I look forward to the most every month. Of course, during that time, um, we lost Chadwick Boseman, um, and and really in this culmination, I think um, it's asking these questions that um, uh, very much like have made Black Panther um, such a uh, um, important cultural force. Um, you know, is it possible to make? uh, reparations for the, um, for the wounds of empire, um, is, you know, is repatriation or honor, um, are those live possibilities? Um, and, um, you know, after this great battle comes to a head, after we kind of, um, deal with the Wakandan old gods and all this, all this kind of stuff, I think that, um, it's just all come together so masterfully that there have been critics of of ta Coates's run of of his comic writing and I wish that those people would have been more patient <laughs> to see how it all unfolded um because I think it just um you know uh, completes the circle just really amazingly so um we have now volumes of um ta Coates' Black Panther run to to point to. I think to me it will be um, a high watermark in comics storytelling um, and with cultural significance. Um, So Black Panther 25 I got um, a couple of copies with some of the variant covers. You know this one is the Natasha Bustos cover and the Patrick Gleason uh, I'm not usually a variant cover person but it's really hard to resist um, with this phenomenal book. Uh, 40 pages or so um check it out um next i want to talk about shadecraft number three Shadecraft is a newish image series and I jumped onto it because Joe Henderson and Lee Garbett, the the writer and artist, um, had previously done a series called Skyward. I thought it was just a really inventive premise. It was kind of 80% premise, I would say, but even a great premise falls without strong execution. So, um, even though I think some of the storytelling was, uh, maybe felt a little bit by the book, um, there was so much in the premise that was interesting and, um, and unique and i think um you know really lee Garbit's art um i've been a fan of lee Garbett's art since the loki series that um Garbut had lent uh his talents to but i think that there's a kind of um i don't know there's a kind of humanity to 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 to, to that artistic style that fills this that that goes really far in making these uh the premise of skyward and, and and now shadecraft um something that i can dig i'm not usually a fan of horror and i wouldn't classify this book as the kind of scary horror that you know you want to shield young readers from or or people scaredy cats like me <laughs> but i think shadecraft um is telling a pretty interesting story and in just three issues we've gotten pretty far in the premise um the idea is that Zadie, um who is a, a asian-american main character Um, her brother um, has been in a coma and meanwhile she's starting to notice that shadows seem to come alive and in fact they sort of you know come to uh, haunt and even to attack her and things around her and finds out that she is over these issues a minor spoiler that she is um, empowered in a certain way to talk to control and have influence on these sort of like Ghosts that live in shadows. Now, that premise sounds pretty creepy. The art, um, as you can see on this page, has touches of that creepiness, but it really puts a, a, a sort of a human face on all of it really quickly. Um, in book three, uh, sorry, issue three, um, Zadie finds a bit of a, a guide. And uh, as with all guides who appear this early in the story, you don't know if it's, they're trustworthy or not, but you do have this sense that. Um, you know that the story is unfolding and we're learning more about this craft of being able to communicate with and perhaps to control the powers allied with these um, shadowy figures. Again, story is uh, packed with premise, um, decently executed, um, uh, but I think it's really the art that sells me on this. I just think that um, these pages are pretty good. I just threw out, it's just pretty gr- gorgeous. So um, I'm, I'm following Shadecraft and I'm enjoying it. Um, I think you should definitely check it out um uh another new release out this this month is um blue flame number one from vault comics um vault uh has um been putting out a bunch of series and they i think they they look really good there just always seem to be some note that's just not quite my flavor um but that's not to say that there isn't quality there um but i was intrigued by the blue flame because um, Christopher Cantwell is a a, a writer. Uh, I've heard a few interviews. Big longtime fan of comics, um, but actually, I think made uh, found his success as a as a writer was I think maybe a head writer for *Halt and Catch Fire*, a TV show that I've. Heard is pretty good. I've never actually watched Um, But then Cantwell came over to to comics and wrote for a Doctor Doom series for Marvel and, and a bunch of other stuff. And I've liked the comics work of Christopher Cantwell. It's been intriguing. There is a kind of, you know, TV series like um, contemporary sort of. Addictive TV series like quality, um, and Adam Gorham's art is also um, uh, ha- has also been really cool. So got me excited to to hear about this series, which is uh, a-, a little bit in terms of its premise, like the Strange Adventures series going on at DC uh, from um, from Tom King and from artists um, uh, Doc Shaner and um, Mitch Jared's There you go. I'm, I'm glad I pulled. Hold that <laughs> those creator names, um, but Blue Flame, like Strange Adventures, seems to be about a sort of adventurer or superhero character, but who is also mixed in with some other consciousness or some other, I don't know, more real and perhaps darker reality about themselves you see on the sample pages that um they put out um that we have almost pretty typical you know buck rogers like um you know landing in an alien planet and 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 sort of this kind of adventure action stuff going on um but in later pages the first issue you kind of meet the you know the uh, you know this character is actually something else seems to be going on Um, it's early and um and i think in terms of whether this first issue you know hooks me in enough, I would say that if not for the vintage of the creators, if I didn't know so well that Cantwell um, knows how to really weave a story, especially over, you know, a period of issues, um, I might be so lost that maybe I wouldn't stick around. I have, though, some 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 credit um, to give to, to these creators, and I'm interested to see where it's going. So um, I think the Blue Flame is worth checking out if that sounds like something that appeals to you. What I think is... Um, is, is interesting about this is that um, that Strange Adventures series that I mentioned as well as the idea of Cantwell you know having a chance to rather than playing in someone else's sandbox tell tell a, a, a new and original story and create a new and original character does come to this I think it's a very different version of superhero deconstruction I mean when I think about stuff like the Watchmen and stuff that um, you know for for decades really now we've been deconstructing superheroes this way and that um, it's something different when I think there is not this sort of, um, you know, the creator sort of hovering, you know, 100 feet above their characters and, and deconstructing the sort of, you know, active comic storytelling, but rather in taking those, those kinds of um, things that don't make any sense and feeling them as an internal psychological pull and i think that that's actually more reflective to me of the experience of those of us who read and engage in comics and so as i was uh, you know reading some of the early issues of that strange adventures and i had this feeling with blue flame there is a kind of almost dividedness of consciousness you know a sort of kind of division of you know who we are as a comics reader you know as a, a person who's picking up you know, New York Times as a person who's kind of interacting with different social worlds and to be the Adam Strange or to be the um, blue flame in one world of our imaginations and then to to have a different mask or to have to cope with the different reality of who we are in another space um, to me that where superhero and where these adventure stories fit in our individual or collective consciousness amidst all of these spaces is interesting Is that what this book is about? I don't know. (laughs) But um, either way, I think it's intriguing and I'm here for it. So check out Blue Flame number one. And now we come to Bitterroot and Bitterroot is month after month, one of my favorite titles written by David F. Walker and Chuck Brown with art, incredible gorgeous art by Sanford Green. I won't get into too much detail because like I've been saying, I don't wanna spoil these books for you. Um, But if you haven't read Bitterroot and you've heard the um the good things about it i think it is worth it to me it's a series that um i you know sometimes people will say it reads better in trade by which they mean you know in individual issues it's hard to follow month to month but when you read it sort of as a whole um you know you get easier easier to kind of stick with the story and unfortunately i think that is true for me of bitter root and yet <laughs> wanting to support the book and really enjoying just the art what i tend to do is read every issue just sort of glory in the art you know we have our the sangria characters set in the sort of you know harlem renaissance era um new orleans sort of um area and deals in um the sort of mysticism and supernatural that is uh and and how we deal with it as a um you know metaphor i think it cheapens it in a sense but as the sort of the um the 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 impetus or the parallel for how um folks in 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 black and white communities are dealing with um racism right and and racial hierarchies and systems of racial oppression and responses to being oppressed responses to um you know egregious acts of of racial terror and so there's um just you know these characters are 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 fun and um and uh and and multi-dimensional um i love the Sangrier family um i love the dr sylvester character um if you have been reading the series you know who i'm talking about and if you don't let me just try to entice you with the the idea that there are monsters there is um and there's a whole lot of the monstrous and and what really is monstrous questions of you know what and who really is uh, monstrous in our world um as opposed to things that are just, you know, outwardly monsters. Um, there's real wrestling with, you know, purgatory worlds and 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 kind of demonic things. But but that again come come to these questions of our hearts. How do we hold on? Um, and then the essays at the back of every issue of Bitterroot, featuring you know scholars and and journalists and creatives that are some people I admire the most in the world, talking about. Um, some of the milieu of this this book where it comes out of as well as you know ideas about afrofuturism and all kinds of cool things so um for the essays alone the bitter root would be worth it um, for the comic it's an incredible story and, um, and 13 is a dramatic pivot point. This is in the third arc, and I think it's three, maybe out of five parts of this third arc. Um, I, 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 I hope, I'm not sure, I should probably look it up. The, st- the series continues even beyond um, this arc, but uh, even if it doesn't, um, it's been telling a whopper of a story, and I really think um, if you haven't been keeping up with Bitterroot, it's definitely worth checking out and, um, and, and, and living in the story finally i want to come to batman black and white number six um batman black and white was a series that had some several previous volumes so you might find a batman black and white number six from a whole bunch of years back actually i think it started as a backup in a a different um, batman comic um that they started to take these really short stories where the black and whiteness of it would allow artists to sort of feature in a certain way i think you know art has a way of popping in black and white or working operating in black and white in a really different way and batman is a character i think who lends himself very much to to that aesthetic um there's a superman red and gold there's a wolverine version i think wonder woman has a, a, a version right, going on right now none of them to me have quite the fit that batman has in um being in this sort of um uh it's not even monochromatic it's really black it's black and white <laughs> there's something about batman that just works really well in black and white and um but i think they've resuscitated the series because there's really there's a new decade a new generation of artists whose work deserves to be featured in this kind of a format they're short stories you know six eight pages um but they really give um these artists a chance to shine to um to, to tell a story, a, a brief story. Um, and this issue features, and I kind of flipped the order of the creators since I think it is such an artist feature. I put the names of the artists first, but stories by Kerry Randolph and Brandon Thomas, the team behind the recent image series, Excellence, um, fantastic team uh, of, of two black creators, um, Elsa Charetier and Pyrrhic Colinet, who um, if you are not aware of Elsa Chretier's, um uh, YouTube channel that she started recently while, you know, in, in COVID quarantine, um, uh, with, um, Pyrrhic who's her partner. Um, it's fantastic. Um, she just really breaks down insights and, and talks to, you know, other creators. Um, and she herself is a phenomenal artist. Um, I have, you know, stuff on my wall here that is just, um, evidence of my fandom, um, art that first appeared for me in, um, this uh, IDW series, Infinite Loop, but has, you know, just instantly screamed the influence of artists such as Darwin Cook that sort of pared down simplicity. Um, but recently, taking it beyond, you know, superhero fare and stuff that's more for young readers and into kind of a mature realm with uh, the, the series November with Matt Fraction. Charretier is just fantastic artist. And I just love the, like, multimedia stuff that they're producing. And um, I'm a backer of her Kickstarter because it's just... Full of, you know, goodies and fantastic stuff. Anyway, they're there. <laughs> they're 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 part of this. Nick Darrington is part of this. Nick Darrington I got a Nick Darrington page right here on this wall from Doom Patrol. Nick Darrington is another, um just phenomenal newer artist. Um, James Heron and John Arcudi, long time um, you know, folks who used to play in the uh the the um uh, BPRD uh, sandbox, you know, the verse sandbox, but breaking out and doing a lot of things on their own. Um, and then um, John Romita Jr. Uh, lends art to a Scott Snyder scripted story and also um, this cover um, with pinups by Babs Tar and Jesus Mourinho and the, the cover by John Romita Jr. as well as other covers. <laughs> Enough about that. There's stories in this book. How do they read? I liked them. I got to say, I don't always love the stories and sometimes I'm getting these books basically just for the art. Um, but I thought that the stories in um, in, back, in issue six, um, they featured many of my favorite artists. I got a Kerry Randolph page back here too, so obviously this is hitting me in the spot. Um, they featured some of my favorite artists and I wasn't disappointed by the stories. Um, Kerry uh, Randolph and Brandon Thomas do one that's called The Second Signal. Uh, it's set in, uh, I think it's, I forgot what it's called, The Hill or something like that. Um, uh, but it's the the segment of Gotham, you know, where um, where the people of color live and where uh, Batman, unsurprisingly, doesn't pay as much attention. And so, uh, you know, a couple of young, young, young fellas that are trying to, you know, spotlight that, hey, something really... Uh, you know, atrocious is going on in our neighborhood. They create a second Batman signal, and finally, Batman comes to, to, to rectify what he, what he, what he should have taken care of. Um, it's just a really great story. It's got that Carrie Rand. I mean, you can see on the sample page, Carrie Randolph is just like a beast with the way that he combines design and just like, just fantastic character, um, character drawing and and um, uh, lots of uh, just very designy very visually popping and appealing, um, but, but still so clear and such powerful, forceful storytelling. Uh, Randolph is just amazing. Anyway, great story. Um, the second one, the, the Abyss, is the one that's by Charretier and, and Colonnais. I think that this, uh, you can see actually, this is another sample page that they they throw out there, but um, you can see that this has all of those hallmarks of, of Charetier's kind of characteristic, noirish, simple, heavy blacks. Um, and it's, it's one of these stories, you've seen them before, where, uh, you know, a, a Batman intervention is discussed from the point of view of different witnesses. And they see it all very, very differently, describe it very differently. But I think the way that, um, that Charizzié has uh, formulated a kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, juxtaposition of perspectives, which you see so much in November, um, apply it in this very short story. Um, and I, I'd go on for days, honestly, about the, the storytelling craft involved in this uh, short story. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Um, definitely worth your time. Um, but for me, a lot of that is um, is enough. Um, and then we get Opening Moves, which is actually art and story by Nick Darrington. And uh, it really is something. Um, you know, I haven't seen Darrington as a writer. Uh, loved the Batman universe Uh, title that he drew for brian michael bendis loved his work on doom patrol just think he's a fantastic cover artist there's a kind of um liveliness to his style but you know in this um in the short story opening moves it's essentially chess pieces in a battle and batman is trying to uh uh you know survive and then figure out what to do um short and sweet but uh, just so Um, drawn with so much you know there's something about Darrington's art that the characters the 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 pieces the you know in Doom Patrol it was all kinds of crazy objects and locations all just have this um, roundedness to them I I don't know how else to describe it Um, and these chess pieces which you could could be just very very boring um, just take on this like incredible life um, in Darrington's hands. So, um, that one's a great one. Um, John Arcudi and James Heron have a story like Monsters of the Deep. Um, well-drawn, um, fairly typical story. It feels like it was, it was good. It was entertaining. And finally, A Thousand Words written by Scott Snyder and art by John Romita Jr. I got to say about Romita Jr. Sometimes I think he's one of those artists that we can take for granted. And perhaps it is a feeling that, um, like I've heard some people say before about him, that, um, maybe he is taking the work for granted, um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan. I, got, I can't lie. <laughs> John Romita Jr. has been an artist that uh, I'm reliably drawn to what he does. And I've seen, you know, when I compare like, you know, whatever, um, Daredevil. Um, oh, shoot. One of my, I'm blanking on the one with the Frank, by, by Frank Miller that John Romita Jr. wrote. Um, uh, but, um, you know, um, that past work. Uh, I I first encountered John Romita Jr. from, I think, a Punisher War Journal or something like that series that he did. Um, He just has this uh, way of drawing characters with, um, you know what it is, is it's that there's clearly a legacy of John Romita Sr. and that era of artists who um, brought a kind of uh, created their own kind of American style comics realism right let's 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 maybe call it that the, the you know um Bush- kind of uh, di- even ditko um and definitely kirby like you know larger than life but still able to sort of be very grounded um and then there's the influence in latter decades of whether it's um you know asian art or or um just different cinematic um art forms that um different artists incorporated and i feel like John Romita Jr. stands right in the juncture of that in so many ways. There is um, something very classic to his craft and at the same time, something really um, expressive. And sometimes, especially in more recent years, I think there's a little wonkiness that people sense. Um, And to me, that's um, a way that other artists like him have been able to take advantage of, um, you know, I think of... Uh, I just uh, an increasingly high standard of expectation and consistency while Ramita Jr. keeps um, falling back on these very classical ways of of approaching the work that um, are still experimental that are still um, innovative um, but that um, you know he's not he's not changing he's not retooling completely Um, and when I look at a cover like this um, you know Batman in a reflection uh, the rain, um, the the sort of multitudinous lines that um, Romita Jr. uses to create the effect of um, of um, you know of basically what color would do. Um, I just think he works really well. And I think he works really well in black and white. Uh, he works for me. So um, anyway, all altogether, you can tell that this is a set of artists that I'm glad that Batman Black and White is featuring. Um, so those are the ones i wanted to 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 really highlight this week um there are many other titles uh among my honorable mentions um from dc mr miracle's new series with um the, the sort of future state version of mr miracle um other History of the DC Universe continues on. John Ridley's uh, mostly sort of prose um, alternate take from the perspective of characters of color. Uh, Batman Superman 18, Gene Luen Yang and Ivan Rice continuing their new run that has been really exciting. Detective Comics 1036. I've enjoyed Dan Moore's art on Jillian... Uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, Mariko Tamaki's um, uh, uh, really kind of um, elaborate stories. Um Robin number two, um, has been just really cool as well. Williamson and, and, um, Melnikoff and, uh, Strange Adventures 10, as I mentioned earlier before. And I never thought I'd be following a Harley Quinn book, but, um, Harley Quinn number three, I also picked that up because Riley Rossmo is Riley Rossmo. Um, Helm Grey Castle number two is a series from Image that, um, I, I'm a really big fan of Henry Brass's Baras- work and, and I'm really interested in seeing what, what, um, those creators are doing in that title made in korea number one a really new uh, a brand new series from image that um has just a very intriguing premise about uh, robot children um uh, <laughs> And uh, Ascender 15, speaking of robot children, is as that series marches toward, I believe they've announced 18 is the end of the end of the end of this very large story that started with Descender and um, has gone on to Ascender and it's all kind of coming together. Um, and then last from Image, but not least, um, uh, Greg Rucca and Fernandez's... Um, uh, old guard tales through time uh, number two and i think this is more of an anthology kind of story with different creators lending to uh the world um that the netflix show or ra- rather netflix movie has really kind of brought to life from marvel i'm continuing to love and to follow kelly thompson's black widow with elena casagrande what a, a, a heart-wrenching um and and really beautifully drawn series Bad ray bill by um uh, number three by Daniel Warren Johnson continues to be um, uh, you know space opera <laughs> and epic and huge. X-Men 20 is marking towards you know we're coming to the end of Jonathan Hickman um, writing the main X-Men book although of course the Hickman um, uh, uh, fingerprints on this new Krakowa moment um, are going to go elsewhere it's a grand mystery but Jerry Dugan is going to write uh, a, a kind of restart from issue number one of x-men so um i think big things are happening with x-men i I have to catch up with the last couple issues same with new mutants number 18 um uh and um you know this next this chariot number three from awa is uh something i did not expect to be enjoying i gotta admit i i like the people starting awa but i I wasn't really um uh hooked but into any of the titles. But I really like Brian Edward Hill, and when I checked out *Chariot 3, which is essentially kind of a *Night Rider* story, it's a it's a car who comes to life and sort of, you know, seizes this um, end of the line kind of, uh, you know, uh, former tough guy or something like that. Um, you know, it's full of violence and cars, <laughs> a lot of cars, That's the car stuff. Uh, and I'm not I'm not I'm not a *Fast and Furious* kind of guy, um, but um, the art by. Um, the artist's name is Priscilla Petraitis, I think, is a Brazilian artist. Um, it's really great. It's very good. Um, so I've kind of been there for those creators. Not necessarily my type of story, but um, it's just kind of seems like uh, adult action movie fun. Um, and last of all, um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles last run in number three is sort of a, you know, Dark Knight Returns-ish um, take on uh the ninja turtles characters or really one care one of them um and uh it's just kind of fun fascinating and that's uh, stuff that i've been reading so those are the things that are kind of on my shelf what am i missing what do you think about some of these titles um what's been catching your eye and what are your thoughts about how they uh, speak to the state of what our comics are talking about i um, interested in your comments and feedback and thank you so much for hanging out with the comic syllabus this week All right. It's good to be back and, uh, hope to connect with you. Take care.